All right, folks, we're going to look today, we're in Lesson 23, working our way through Numbers, uh, and then, of course, after Numbers, we're going to get into Deuteronomy, and then we'll be finished with the first five books of the of the Old Testament. Um, we're going to talk again about the journey through Moab. So now, remember, they were at Kadesh Barnea, the report of the Twelve. Ten of them said, don't do it. The people listened to the ten. They talked about going back to, um, going back to Egypt, selecting another leader. God punishes them by having them journey 40 years through the wilderness. However, when we get to the next chapter of Numbers, it's kind of like fast forward almost 40 years. And you're like, well, why didn't, why don't we have that record? Well, folks, I already tell you what that record is. Complaining, judgment. Complaining, judgment, wandering around. You don't need to read that, right? Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, because here we are. I mean, think about it. They've been wandering around for 40 years. How many times do they got to get the beat down? Do you know what I'm saying? How many times do you got to get the beat down from the Lord to realize that the complaining thing doesn't work? And guess what they keep still doing? Complaining. Now remember, I, remember, we had this discussion a few, a few lessons ago that it's okay to go to God and complain, but there is a there is a type of complaining that's wrong, and this is the type that they're doing, where they question who God is, and question God's sincerity and 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 so forth. Do you understand? So that's what we're seeing here. So now we're going to come up to chapter twenty-one, and they are. Journeying through Moab. They're getting ready. They're, they're, they're going around from the southern tip of Israel, going up to the west of Jordan, through the area of the Amorites and the Moabites. Okay? They were wanting to, remember, they wanted to go through Edom, Esau, their brother, but he wouldn't, they, they wouldn't let them through. So we're going to see that they're moving on up. But listen, when you got a million people moving, through your area, how are you going to respond? Do you know what I'm saying? All right, think about it. You've got a piece of property, and all of a sudden you've got 100, 200 people showing up, trampling through your property. How are you feeling about that? No, and they've got to use the washroom, only there's no washroom. Do you know what I'm saying? And they decide they want to cut down some of your trees. How do you feel about that? You don't. You don't feel happy about that. Here's what's happening. you got a million people showing up, and it's not just that, oh, they're trampling on my land. You're fearful that they're going to come and take over, right? Okay? That's what's going on here. So you can see what's happening here. So let's first talk about the victory. We see this in verses 1 to 3. We see this in the victory at Hormah. Hormah, okay? So as Israel was on their journey, the Canaanite king of Arad attacked them and took some prisoners. So here we go. We got this Canaanite king. He's the king of Arad, which must be a community there, okay? Usually they would have fortified cities, all right? So he decides, I'm going to nip this in the bud. So he attacks Israel and even takes some of the Israelite soldiers captive. All right, he takes them captive. So making a vow to the Lord, 
They promised to destroy the cities if he delivered the enemy to them. So here's what Israel's response is. God, if you give us these guys, we're going to destroy their cities utterly. We're going to wipe them out. If you give us our enemy. Okay? If you give us our enemy. All right, let me stop for a moment. Because we're talking about wiping people out, destroying them. One of the biggest complaints that you will hear today about God, and it comes from the Old Testament, is, is that God destroyed whole people groups. Have you ever heard that complaint? It's usually used against Christianity. Usually atheists will bring this up. They'll say, well, God destroyed whole people groups. Okay? Now, can I ask you a question? How do you answer that? Because you're like, well, God's a forgiving God. I mean, you know, he'll forgive you. And Well, if you, God's a forgiving God, why is he wiping out whole people groups? Okay? It's quite an interesting question. So you're left flabbergasted. So let me give you a little bit of perspective. Okay? If the king of Arad wanted to eliminate the threat of Israel, what would he do? Yeah, he'd wipe them out. Like, I mean, are we talking wipe them all out or just wipe them out? All of them. Get rid of them. Now, why? Because in the ancient cultures, they weren't dumb, okay? They weren't that primitive. Actually, they were a lot more sophisticated than you realized. They understood that kids grow up. And in their cultures, kids grow up to what? Carry on the fight for their what? Their fathers. And you're going to see a history of that throughout the Old Testament, where one Ammonite king raises up to, to bring vengeance on Israel because of what Israel did on another Ammonite king. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the whole concept here that God's being cruel, no, this is just the way they operated. When they went into an area, whether it's the Israelis, or it's the Hittites, or it's the Amorites, or the Moabites, whatever. They went in and they destroyed everything. Why? Because they were taken over. Do you understand? They were taking over. And, and this is the concept that's going on here. So it's not a question of God's cruel. This is the way they operate in that time frame. Do you understand? See, here's what we try to do. This is where you've got to understand. We try to look at the Bible today from our modern perspective. I was just, I just had this conversation with one of my children here recently, okay? It's only a phenomenon in the United States in the last 40 years where we think we, when we do war, it's actually since really the Gulf War back in the 90s when we had precision strikes with the air, we've now become convinced that that's the only way that you can do warfare is to do warfare and there not be any other collateral damage to anybody else. You wipe out enemy soldiers, but you don't affect the innocent. Isn't that true? Isn't that what we're told on the news and stuff? Well, wait a minute now. Have you noticed that that's not happening and that's not possible? We're the only ones worried about it. Nobody else in the world worries about that. When they go in to fight an enemy, they go in and destroy. Yes, I understand it's tragic, but war is tragic. And I'm not making an excuse for war. But that's how countries operate. They go in to demoralize. They go in to conquer. 
because they want that territory for themselves, not because they're happy for the other people. Do you understand? So this is the concept. We're trying to impose Western, well, North American 21st century values, postmodern values, into, culture, into cultures that didn't operate that way. So here, they said, okay, God, you give us our enemies, we'll utterly destroy them. Now, what does that word destroy there? The Hebrew word destroy has a little bit more meaning than you realize. Okay? A little bit more meaning. So the word destroy means devoting them to the Lord as an offering and not taking and keeping nothing. That's what they did with Jericho. You'll see that at Jericho. Remember, they put a ban on Jericho. It was, again, another word for another religious meaning there with ban. They were to destroy Jericho, and everything in Jericho belonged to who? God. They were not to take anything. That's what the ban was, because they had devoted the entire city for destruction to the Lord. So therefore, they were to keep nothing from that, because this is what armies do. You're breaking into a house and you're killing the enemy, and you look on the ground, and there's an Apple Watch there, what do you do? Soldiers plunder. Did you understand what I'm saying? They plunder. You know what? Up until recently, our soldiers did that all the time. Like, I remember my brother came back from the Persian Gulf War. He came back with a helmet, some berets from the Republican Guard, and a few other medals and stuff. Where did they get that from? And you know that if you talk to some of the old-timers back from World War II and stuff, what did they bring? Nazi weapons. and I mean, that's back when they allowed you to bring guns back into the country, right? That's called the plunder. But here, when Moses says, Lord, you give us the victory here, we will destroy them utterly. The word being used there is, is we'll keep nothing. Everything will be yours, Lord. And they'll destroy them. Okay, let's go on. So when the Lord answered, and Israel destroyed them, they called the region Hormah. So they changed the whole name from Arad to Hormah, meaning what? Destruction. Okay? They called the place a whole new name. Hormah. All right? They called the place a whole new name. Let's go on. <clears throat> Now we're going to get to the point where, of course, can't go throughout the story without having a moment of a bad attitude, right? You can't have, you gotta have a bad attitude every once in a while, okay? Well, we're going to come to the incident where they have another bad attitude. So as Israel was journeying around Edom, the people became very discouraged on the journey. Okay, so, you understand, rather than just going into the land flowing with milk and honey, they got to journey around to the west, to the east, and they got to go around Edom because Edom said they can't go through there. All right? Well, why didn't they just go through? No, no, Edom's there related to them, so they're not going to force issues. So they're going around Edom. Now, when you look at a map, the further east you go, you're going into more arid what? Desert area. So is the journey pleasant? No, it's not pleasant, so people begin to gripe and complain again. Now, listen, folks, the complaint is the same. Once again, the people spoke against God and Moses. 
Hello? Once again, they were complaining against God and Moses. They complained that they were brought from Egypt to die in the wilderness. They complained that they were brought from Egypt to die in the wilderness. Now, folks, let me just stop for a moment. This is what's interesting. This is 40 years later. This isn't the original people who came out of Egypt. Remember, all of them were to die in the wilderness. Only two were to go into the land. Who was that? Joshua and Caleb. Okay? So this is their offspring. This is the next generation. This is their kids. Now they're the ones complaining. And guess what? They're taking up the same complaint that they've heard from who? Their parents. Isn't that... You wonder sometimes where we get our values and our attitudes from. A lot of times we express what we hear at home, right? Okay? So this is what they're doing. And of course, guess what happens, folks? The Lord brings judgment. So complaining that, here's again, they were complaining that there was not food and water. There was no food and water. They expressed that they hated the worthless bread. Now, what's the worthless bread, folks? Manna. Okay? I mean, think about that. They're not complaining about the bread that God's providing them every day. Do you understand? I mean, they're complaining about this. And they call it the worthless bread. There's no food. There's no meat. I mean, there's no, no water. God's been providing for them all along the way. Okay? So here's what the Lord does. The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and many of those who were bitten died. So he sends these fiery serpents among the people. What kind of serpents? I don't know. Fiery? I mean, I, I don't know, folks. Maybe they look red or something. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, is they were poisonous. When they bit the people, they died. Okay? Maybe it was a slow, agonizing death. You'd have to assume that it wasn't an immediate death. Why? Because we're going to see here that they had to do something a little bit later when they were bitten. So guess what happens? All right, so God sends these serpents among them. All right. When the people came to Moses and confessed their sin, they asked him to pray for relief. Guess what they do? Oh, Moses, please pray to God. We're sorry. We did wrong. You know what I'm saying? We did wrong. Okay? We did wrong. Please ask God to give us some relief. So here's what happens. The Lord told Moses to make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. To make a fiery serpent and set it on the pole. Okay? Now here's interesting. Archaeology tells us that the path that Moses would have taken that's recorded in the scripture as they were making their way, as they journeyed through Moab, Israel would have passed by what was known as an area for copper and copper mines. What do you need to make bronze with, folks? Copper. Isn't it interesting? Okay. And isn't it interesting that the area that they would have been in would have had copper in it? Okay. 
So those who were bitten need only look at the serpent on the pole and live. So if you got bit by one of these serpents, you had to what? Look at the serpent on the pole to be healed. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Okay, we'll talk about that in a moment. So Moses made a bronze servant on a pole, and those who looked at it lived. Okay? Moses made a bronze servant, and those who looked at it lived. Now, all right, now that's going to require something from the people. All right, so here you are, you're a complainer. I don't like that bread. Wish I had something more. Why can't we get T-bone steak? You know what I'm saying? What's, what's the deal with this? You know, God, you just brought us out here to die. Oh my, look at that nice little snake. Ah, I'm bit. You know what I'm saying? Now I'm going to die. Hey, just look at the snake on the pole. Oh, are you kidding me? My uncle just died from this. I'm doomed. Just look at the snake on the pole. No way. What's it required to look at the snake on the pole? Faith and obedience. Faith. You got to believe that looking at the snake on the pole is going to what? Heal you. It makes you wonder how many people actually died because they didn't want to look at the snake on the pole. Sounds kind of familiar today, isn't it? You just need to believe of the one who's on the pole, on the, on the cross. And you'll be forgiven. You just need to believe, you just need to look. Isn't that what Jesus actually said? As Moses lifted up, so must the Son of Man. But people today don't believe, do they? They don't have faith. So they die in their sins. See, this is what's going on here. There's, there's an act of faith here. God says, Moses built this bronze snake, put it on a pole. They just need to look at it and they'll be healed. They just need to have faith that I'll heal them. You know, they just need to have faith. Yes, Gene. Yes, that's where, the, if you look on, on a, on the, on like a, on a nurse's symbol or on a doctor's symbol, there is what? A pole with usually one or two snakes on the pole, right? Comes from, it's a symbol of healing. Okay? All right? Symbol of healing. All right? Interesting, isn't it? Okay? All right. Hey, that's a religious symbol. We need to not wear those. So, okay. Let's go on now. So, in verses 10 to 20, we're not we're just going to make one brief statement about verses 10 to 20. It's just a record of them journeying through Moab. Okay? So, Israel journeyed through Moab, and the Lord provided a well of water at Beer. There's a place called Beer. The water wasn't Beer. It was just, that was the name of the place, folks. Okay? So God provided them water. Because remember, they were complaining that they didn't have what, folks? Water. So God provided them as they journeyed through water at Beer. Okay? Now, we're going to come to the rest of the chapter where they're going to have two confrontations with two different kings. They're Ammonite kings, so they're Canaanite, but they're from the Ammonite people. 
These kings are significant because when we go to the Old Testament, when they recite the history of Israel, they'll mention these two kings over and over again. Okay? So the first one was the guy by the name of Sion. Okay? So we see that in verse 21 to 32. So Moses requested permission of Sion, king of the Amorites, to journey through his country. So again, Moses is doing the diplomatic thing. Hey, we need to journey through your country here. Would you allow us to journey through it? And, and, and of course, uh, Moses does a little bit more than that. He promised that they would pass peacefully and would take no food or water from the Amorites. Hey, when we go through, we're not going to take you, we're not going to mess up your wells. We're not going to take water from your wells. We're not going to steal food from your trees and your fields. We're just going to go through. Just let us pass through. Blah, blah, blah. Okay? Well, here's what happened. Sion refused and attacked Israel, but Israel defeated the Amorites and took their territory. He wiped them out. Sion, instead of just saying no like the Edomites did, like Edom did, they decide to attack Israel. Wrong mistake, right folks? And guess what? They get wiped out. Sion gets killed, wiped out. Okay? Now there's a guy by the name of Og. What a name. Popular name we hear today in America. It's on the top ten list of names for baby boys, right? Og, okay? Og, same, th same thing. This time, Moses doesn't ask for permission. Okay? So as Israel journeyed through the area of Bashan, okay, which is in the southern part there, southern part area of Israel, Palestine area, Og, king of Bashan, attacked them. So probably what's hurt, what's, what, what's happened is, is Og probably got word that Sion and his kingdom is gone, wiped out by this marauding army of Israelites. So he decides, all right, we're going to go and take care of this. So he attacks Israel. Og does. Okay? He attacks Israel. So the Lord tells Moses not to fear them since he has delivered Og and his forces into their hands. So the Lord says, don't worry about this, Moses. Don't worry about it. I'm delivering them into your hands. Now, it tells me here that Og must have been a little bit more powerful than Sion. Why would I assume that? Well, because Moses is told not to fear. Now, why would you be afraid? Well, you're afraid that you might enter into this battle and you might what? Lose. Okay? Well, the Lord says, don't be afraid. I'm giving them to you. I'm giving them to you. Okay? So the Lord told Moses to do to Og what he had done to Sion. What did he do to Sion? Wipe them out utterly. So the Lord's telling Moses, you do the same thing to Og and his people. They're Amorites. Okay? By the way, have you met an Amorite lately? We've met Jewish people. We've not met any Amorites. Okay? So Israel defeated Og and his people, left no survivors, and took their land as possession. Okay? 
left no survivors. They utterly destroyed them and took their lands and their cities as their possession. Took their groves. Do you, do you understand? They did. I mean, earlier, God promised you're going to go to a land. I'm going to give it to you. You won't even have to plant fruit trees. You're just going to, they're just going to be there for you. That's what's happening here, folks. Okay? That's what's happening here. 